this last month, we've had the opportunity to learn about Jesus Christ, that Jesus, he's over everything. And we're going to see how that is expressed in the story that we want to look at as we advance the story from that birth of Christ to about six months a little bit later in the Matthew 2 account where the Magi came to visit Jesus. And it's all about gift giving. It's all about giving to someone else something that I have so that they can enjoy it as well. And at Christmas time, we have an opportunity to give gifts. Some of you tonight are going to be giving gifts to one another. Maybe it's tomorrow morning, your family or your friends. And it's all about giving a gift. And it's always intriguing to see how people respond and receive that gift. Sometimes it's hysterical in the reaction. Sometimes we've seen these stories of kids that cry because it wasn't the gift that they really wanted. So there's a variety of responses that we see. And I'd like to take us into the account where Jesus is now about six months old, maybe close to a year of age. And Mary and Joseph have finally found a place for the baby. They're actually living in somebody's home in Bethlehem. And there's a group of people that enter into this town of Bethlehem, and they're looking for the baby Jesus, and we refer to them as the Magi. Sometimes they're referred to as the wise men. Sometimes we hear about them as kings, because it fits a nice song, We Three Kings. But these Magi came into the town, and they were looking for the baby Jesus. They were told that there was a new king of the Jews that was in town, and they were seeking him out. So they go to the king that is there in that community, and that would be Herod. And they ask him, where in the world is the baby Jesus that we want to see? And Herod becomes alarmed at that. And Matthew chapter 2 gives a response to that in this way. On the screen it says, where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And here is the interesting response of Herod. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Now, you don't have to have much of an imagination to think that if you're the king and you're hearing about another king, you're going to get a little concerned. Herod is like a lot of people when they hear about the king Jesus wanting to rule over their lives. Sometimes there's a sense of what is he going to take away from me? I remember when I was sharing Christ and what Christ can do for a person's life many years ago, and I shared to him what it means to be a follower of Jesus he says, there's one thing I'm afraid of. I, I'm not sure I can really commit myself to Jesus. I said, why is that? Because I'm afraid he's going to ask me to give up beer. And I assured him that's going to be the least of your concerns. <laughs> so sometimes we have those responses like Herod. I can imagine Herod thinking to himself, look, I've worked hard to be in this position as king. I don't want to give up my position. I've worked hard for all this prestige. People like the Magi come to seek me out. He has all this power. He controls this whole community. He has the power for life and death, literally, of people's lives. And there's a lot of people that don't want to give up that power. So we resist the King Jesus. We have a fearful heart to what he might take from me because I like to be in control of my own life. I like to have the power in my hands, and I'm a little concerned of what he's going to ask me to do if I put the power in his hands. There's a lot of us who grew up in the church, and we are always afraid to commit to Jesus Christ because we're afraid we're going to have to be a missionary somewhere in deep, dark Africa and live a miserable life. So we resist because we're fearful of what he may ask of us. So there are some people who don't receive the gift because of a heart of fear, not sure what they may have to give up. And then there's a second group of people that sometimes have a hesitant 
reception of that gift. And they are the scribes and the, uh, the chief priests in this story of Matthew 2. They're a group of people that were very knowledgeable. They're scholarly. They would memorize great portions of the Old Testament, as we call it today, the Scriptures, the scrolls that they had. They knew them thoroughly. They were scholars. And when Herod did not know where the King Jesus is, he goes to the scholars of the day, the knowledgeable ones. And here is that in Matthew 2. So gathering together the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. He, he actually knew that this was going to be the Messiah. He had that much knowledge. So he asks them, and they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And they go on to quote Micah 5.2. And in Micah 5.2 it says the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem, exactly where Jesus is and was born. And Herod hears that information. But the intriguing thing to me is that the scribes and the Pharisees had all this knowledge. They had this heart that I think of as being sort of fake. They remind me of myself sometimes. I grew up in the church. My dad was a pastor. When I was an infant, I was in the nursery of a church. I grew up ever since I was a baby all the way to the age that I am now, which is not that long. And in all those years, I've sung these carols 60 times every year of my life. Well, it's actually 65. Sorry. And I've heard these stories of Matthew 2 and Luke 2 that we just heard read. And I remember sitting in Miss Nybick's junior church and her teaching, oh, and I've heard David and Goliath. I've heard these stories. And there was never a heartfelt response that says, yes, I'm in love with Jesus and I want to follow him all my life. There was a reluctance in my own heart, even with all this knowledge. And there are so many, maybe some of you grew up in the church. You had your roots there like I did. And somewhere in the scope of time, maybe after college, maybe something a professor said, maybe some experience that went sideways, there's sort of a drift away from Christ in the church. You have an element of spirituality as the chief priest and the scribes have, but there's not a followership of Jesus. There might be parts of Herod that I'm afraid of what he's going to ask me to do, or there might be all this knowledge but no heartfelt following of Christ. And so we have these two responses so far of Herod, the heart that fears the Lord, the scribes and the chief priests who are so biblically knowledgeable, but the heart is, is fake. They know the truth, but they don't live it. They've heard it all their lives. These men grew up in the temple. They grew up with all this knowledge, but they don't follow it. They don't seek the baby Jesus the way the Magi did. So it brings us to the Magi. These are interesting men. We say that there are three because there's three gifts that they give, but we don't know that there were three magi. There may have been 20 magi. And typically when the magi would travel around, they would travel with a group of soldiers and servants. And so it's a big mob scene that comes into Bethlehem here. It's not three guys showing up on a camel and Herod's concerned. It's a whole army that has somehow invaded his community, and Herod's not quite sure what's up, but he wants to know more so that he can take the baby Jesus out. But the Magi are so unique. 
they come into town and they are truly seeking Christ, not as an intellectual pursuit, not in a fearful heart of what he may take away, but they're truly seeking the baby Jesus to do this. As the text says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary and his mother, and they fell to the ground, and they worshiped him. And they took their gifts, and they gave to him this gold and frankincense and myrrh. They gave everything to the baby Jesus so that Christ, Mary, and Joseph would have provisions for their lives. These are valuable gifts that they gave. And the beautiful thing that I think about with the Magi is this. If you put them right on par with Herod, they're both powerful people. They're both prestigious people. They're both very wealthy people. Herod didn't want to give up anything, but the Magi come and they worship Jesus. They follow Jesus. They want to be committed to Christ. And what Christ does is he comes into a person's heart like that that says, yes, I want to know more about him. I don't know everything the Magi would say, but I want to seek to learn more. I I want to come with a teachable heart. And what power, what prestige, what possessions I have, I put them in Jesus' hand because I want him to be over my life. And I'm not surrendering anything because when Christ comes into me, he forgives me of my sins, he gives me a new heart, and then he takes that power, he takes that prestige, he takes those possessions, and he reshapes them, he repurposes them. He uses them for a greater kingdom purpose that I would never have thought of in my own strength and mind and knowledge. And that's what Christ has come to offer us, not to diminish us, to take away things that makes us fearful but to repurpose who we are through His forgiveness of our repentance of sin, to give us a new heart and a new life, a new direction, and to take whatever we have like the Magi and Him in His power working through us to accomplish His things for His kingdom that I never would have imagined I could do. And I'm thankful that when I was age 12, I did not just follow the religious knowledge but with no heart but that God had given to me an opportunity to, even to this day, to speak to you. And I never would have thought that way back then when I was struggling with lots of knowledge about the stories but no heart for Jesus. So our invitation is for you to receive that gift as well. In fact, in the bulletin, there's a card, and I invite you to take that in to look at it, and I want to read through it very quickly because it's an opportunity for us to respond to the gift. You're going to receive gifts tonight, probably tomorrow, whatever the case might be for you, but we'd like to give to you the gift of Christ wherever you're at and bring you forward in that journey with Him. And in this particular card, my response to Christmas, we invite you to respond to the gift of Jesus today to receive Him as your rescuer and ruler, making Him the king of your life. And the question is, how is God working and where does this fit for you? For example, the first box is for the first time I choose to place my trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins. I want to turn and follow him today so you can invite him to forgive you and to begin a new journey with Christ, not with a fearful heart but of a faith-filled heart. Secondly, it may be you're like me. You grew up in the church. you You have that underpinning. It's been part of your life, your history. But there's been a drift. 
It's to other things that have become more important. And Christ is saying, wait a second. Is there anyone more important than God in the person of Jesus Christ? And he invites you. It says, in the past I've known about God and even attended church, but I drifted away from following Jesus with my whole heart. I choose to renew my relationship with Jesus and seek to honor him as king over my whole life. And God will enrich you in ways that you never thought possible. As you enter into that repurposed life of living for his kingdom and his glory with a forgiveness and a cleansing and a holiness that is a beautiful place to be. And then thirdly, some may be like the Magi. You're, you're seeking Jesus. You don't know everything, but you'd like to learn more. And you want to learn about the life-giving way of his kingdom, and you desire a mentor. I need someone to come alongside me and help me on this journey. I have a little bit of knowledge, but I have a long ways to go, and I'd like to learn more. That's the Magi. They didn't know much, but what they did know, they responded to. And we invite you to respond in that way as well. And if you'd like to respond to any of those three areas, just check the box. Put your contact information at the bottom. And then when the buckets are passed here in a moment, just drop it in there. And we'd love to have an opportunity to engage with you at a more personal level of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, seeking Him, and understanding what it means to have Jesus as the King of your life. We want to help you with that journey. I'd like to pray a blessing upon any of you who have made a choice here. And then as we receive the offering, this is just simply our opportunity like the Magi. The Magi weren't forced into giving anything to Christ. They loved it. It was an act of worship, a response in their hearts and their lives. And so we're going to receive an offering. It's simply for those who want to respond and say, yes, Jesus, you're over everything, and that includes me and all that I have. And there's no greater joy in my life than to give to what causes the kingdom of God to expand. So we're going to receive that, but I want to pray a blessing upon any who have checked a box here as you drop it in the bucket. We'd love to be able to respond to you in like manner. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you for this moment that allows us once again to be reacquainted with the Christ child that God in human flesh had come into this world for one purpose, and that was to save us, to forgive us, to give us a new life, a new purpose, to give us a life that is forgiven to the glory of your name. I pray your blessing upon any who would make a choice tonight to either the first time believe in Jesus or perhaps to renew a life that has drifted a little bit away or like the Magi saying, you know, I, I need to learn more. I want to learn more. Help me in that journey. So I pray your blessing upon any who have made a choice that you would give us the privilege to be able to respond in like manner back to them. Thank you for this. We commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen.